Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Red Box Podcast on the Times. I'm Matt Chorley. There's life in the Lib Dems yet. It turns out the yellow bird wasn't dead. It was only resting. The party which barely survived five years in coalition with the Tories has overturned Zach Goldsmith's whopping 23,000 majority to win Richmond in the by-election, triggered by Goldsmith's protests over Heathrow expansion. Goldsmith gambled and he lost. It's a sensation you must be getting used to seven months after being beaten in the London mayoral race. Sarah Olney, an accountant who only joined the party after the Lib Dems crashed out of power in 2015, is now the MP and with a majority of 1,872. Goldsmith wanted it to be all about Heathrow, where people living in the well-heeled London suburb are plagued by aircraft noise. The Lib Dems turned it into a referendum on Brexit, hammering the message that Goldsmith was a lever and the Tories just don't know what they're doing. Now, of course, Richmond is not typical. 70% of people there voted Remain. But nonetheless, it is proof that the Lib Dem by-election fighting machine can still turn out when it needs to. They had a dress rehearsal course in Whitney where they got a 19% swing, but not quite enough to take David Cameron's old seat. In Richmond, it was 21.7%. Now, of course, it means the Lib Dem Parliamentary Party is swelled by 12.5%. That's from 8 to 9. And crucially, for a movement which applies itself on equality, it finally has a woman back on the green benches. Now, one of those eight, of course, is leader Tim Farron. And he joins me on the line now. Congratulations, Tim. Presumably, you've not had a lot lot of sleep. I've had very little sleep, Matt. I had about an hour and a half, but I'm uh, feeling fairly fresh. It's always like that when you've won, isn't it? Um, uh, outside a, a coffee house just near Richmond Station. And so, um, how did you did you expect to win? T- talk me through when you thought that it might be. Because, I mean, it had a result overturning a 23,000 majority for Zach Goldsmith. Well, I thought that, obviously, we had a chance. And we uh, took the view when David Cameron resigned and the Whitney by-election came upon us that we should throw everything at that, knowing that was a long shot, got a great swing to us, and it gave us real belief and that there is more than a market out there. Loads of people want there to be a moderate, kind of progressive, uh, decent opposition to the Tories. And um, in Whitney, that looked like uh, that was really on again. And then when Richmond Park became, uh, you know, up for election, when Zach resigned for his uh, Heathrow mission, um, we thought, well, let's have a go at this too. And, you know, political parties can set a lead, but in the end, that only leads something if the people decide to follow and we had lots of people uh, who uh, would normally have voted uh, Conservative or Labour choosing to vote for us. Some of them was because of Brexit. Some of them of course had voted Leave but wanted to uh, vote against a hard Brexit but there's many others who voted for us because of a more general concern that there needs to be a decent progressive moderate alternative to the Tories. Labour clearly aren't it and us having won this by-election just gives us real heart across the country that that progressive moderate alternative is is back on and long overdue. I remember talking to Nick Clegg at the beginning of the campaign in Richmond, and he was pretty angry actually with the Labour Party for putting up a candidate and think, you know, and concerned that that was going to take away voters from that progressive alliance. But actually, Labour Labour have done pretty badly, and it doesn't seem to, to have made much difference to them. I mean, my sense is that there were plenty of people who voted for us yesterday who would have been normally Labour voters, but. Some of them were tactical. I think the majority of those people who would normally have been Labour came to us because they actually believed in what we were saying more than Labour. The problem is that in this kind of uh, battle over whether we have a referendum on the terms of the deal 
or whether we have a hard or a soft Brexit, the Labour Party is just chicken out and giving up. I mean, Tom Watson's speech of the weekend where he basically called us Brexit deniers for having the temerity to actually be an opposition uh, just sums them up. Even the ones who vaguely are in the right place uh, have lost any kind of backbone whatsoever. And Britain needs not just a, a decent, credible, moderate opposition, but one with some courage and conviction as well. So I think there's as many people deserting Labour because uh, of the weakness of, the, of, of some of the mainstream MPs in the Labour Party, as well as uh, people deserting them because of Jeremy Corbyn's leadership. Now, Sarah Olney, in her acceptance speech, talked about, and in the interviews afterwards, she's talked about now having a mandate to resist Brexit. She says it does not now look as if we can have a vote in Parliament that might override the referendum. Isn't that basic, to the idea of overriding the referendum, isn't that basically anti-democratic for a party which even has the D word in your name? <laughs> no, look, if you're, a if you're a Democrat, you believe in democracy, and asking for a referendum on the terms of the deal, you can't get much more democratic than that. I mean, we are being opposed to a stitch-up, which is what we will end up with as things stand. Um, so in, in a battle between democracy and stitch-up, we vie... Uh, on the side of democracy. I think Sarah is in a specific and unique position as someone elected since the referendum who offered herself to the electorate um, uh, on a ticket of voting against um, uh, Brexit. Now, you know, you can't second-guess and countermand somebody who's being given a specific mandate by her electorate to vote against um, Brexit. I think that trumps any referendum. I'm in a different position as somebody who, you know, was elected before the referendum, as is uh, the others of us. But I take the view that uh, we should be calling for, and we will have as a red line, the granting of a referendum on the terms of the deal, because uh, otherwise the outcome of this will be anti-democratic. And, of course, I will vote against Article 50 if we're not given a referendum, or more importantly, if the British people are not given their say on the final terms. Otherwise, you're just going to have imposing the British people something that probably 75, 80% the electorate never wanted. Do you think that ultimately Britain should leave the European Union, but let's have an argument now about the deal, or do you think that is it entirely possible that we end up remaining full members as we are currently? Well, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who accepts defeat when you lose. Uh, you're going to do that with good grace. Um, but I'm also somebody who doesn't believe it. I, I change my opinion unless the facts change. Um, and the facts have, if anything, made me more convinced that Britain is far better off inside the European than outside it. But in respecting the outcome of the referendum, um, then it's right the government negotiates uh, a, a Brexit deal. Uh, the point is that that deal should now be presented to the British people, or at least once it's been arrived at, it should be presented to the British people. Now, of course, that vote, uh, if it came, if we got our way, and if the British people were given their say on the deal, would involve a vote either in favour of that deal or in favour of status quo remaining in the European Union. So I, I don't think that, I mean, there's any contradiction whatsoever. The only people arguing for a democratic conclusion to this mess are the Liberal Democrats. I just, I mean, you know, let's not get too overexcited. Eight, <laughs> eight, eight to nine, I mean, that yes. is a, it is a 12.5% increase in uh, yes. representation in the Commons, but it's still yes. not you know, the 50, 56 yes. odd you had before the last election. But, uh, of course, crucially, the government's, you know, it is another one off the government's majority, and in an in tight votes which will be lying ahead. So you obviously feel now that, you know, if they've got a majority of, well, a 
officially a majority of 11 now. <laughs> You've got nine. You know, you only need to win over Ken Clark and Anna Subri and you can start causing them <laughs> real trouble. Yes. Uh, well, I think, I mean, by-elections um, don't tend to change the government, but they do have a habit sometimes of changing the direction of the government. Uh, we've often used during this campaign the example of Ribble Valley back in the early 90s when uh, the Rebel Democrats gained a seat at the Tories one week and the poll tax was abolished the next. Uh, and so I think that in the last few months, Theresa May has basically been a prisoner of the kind of UKIP wing of her party, which has basically taken over her party. Now, um, there will be dozens of Conservative MPs with Liberal Democrats breathing down their necks who might now, uh, listening to their electorates, be trying to persuade Theresa May that it would be much wiser if she at the very least went for a soft Brexit, or better still, offered people the chance to have their say on on the deal. So this could be a, an absolutely game-changing, country-changing by-election result, albeit it's only one MP, as you rightly say. And what does this mean for the, for the hashtag Lib Dem fight back elsewhere? <laughs> where, were the, where were the places where you think, actually, the sort of messages that you were giving uh, during this by-election campaign... Where were the places where you, you think that, that Lib Dems could return, whether that, you know whether in a by-election or, or, or more likely in a 2020 general election? Well, I know for a lot of people, us winning a spectacular by-election like this is the first that they will have seen uh, any sign of it. Like us, we might be ever so slightly nerdy about such matters. We all know that it's a reality and have been for some months. Uh, obviously, the great swing we had in Whitney, which was nearly as big as the one we had to win this seat, where we came from fourth to second. But also, you know, look at these council by-elections. We made 23 gains since uh, May. Um, if I tell you that Labour, UKIP and Tories haven't gained any net whatsoever, uh, then you see there is something happening. It's also worth bearing in mind that of those 23 gains, 13 of them are about there being a strong, moderate uh, alternative to the Tories than it is about any kind of rerun of the referendum. And so, uh, I mean, there were places, in you know, traditional Lib Dem heartlands, particularly in the southwest. Uh, where the, the Tories not only beat you, in some cases built up quite a big majority of your own. How, how do you mount a Lib Dem fight back in what was traditionally your, your core areas, but actually they also they voted yeah. quite heavily for Leave? Well, like I say, I mean, uh, the majority of the council by-elections we've won since the referendum have been in Leave um, this afternoon in Lincolnshire, where, of course, we've got a by-election uh, next Thursday in a seat where we had, um, you know, pretty much the direct opposite of a, a Richmond-style referendum result back in June. And, you know, I, I'm not going to give you any sort of shocking news here when I say I expect the Tories to hold that seat and I don't expect the Liberal Democrats to gain it, but I do um, very strongly sense that things are moving in our direction there, uh, which people might think is surprising. But people are desperate for some kind of leadership, a party that's got the courage to say uh, what it thinks about the future of our country, rather than just bowing to uh, some aspects of the media and uh, what it considers to be the safe option, which is what could potentially uh, bode very well for us, uh, coming back right across the country. Where those parliamentary uh, gains might come from, that will become more obvious as the months go by. Eh? It's worth bearing in mind that, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, seats the SNP now hold with massive majorities. They were in fourth place in. So let's not assume anything is on or off the table. And just finally, um, there's been a lot of talk this week about uh, Nick Clegg. Um, you know, he's very much back on the scene. Uh, some people have got seen some columnists saying that uh, if only Nick Clegg was still Lib Dem leader. What, what do you say to those people? Why are you the right man to still be leading the Lib Dems? Well, I, uh, I think Nick's resignation speech back in uh, May 2015 was one of the things that I think sparked this fight back. It was this kind of uh, incredible uh, roar of the uh, the liberal heart of this country that 
whilst it had been defeated, was not extinguished. And, you know, he understandably uh, didn't want to take a kind of uh, election. But, I mean, following the referendum, I think, you know, he clearly feels, and I'm delighted that he does, uh, a desire to really help us to lead on, on this issue. And he's been absolutely brilliant. Who better to hold David Davies and co to account than, than Nick Clegg? So uh, it's brilliant that he's, he's back in the front line. He's been in Richmond almost as much as I have. He's done a fantastic job here, uh, rallying the troops, talking to me on the doorstep. I kind of, you know, he had a really tough time as Deputy Prime Minister. Uh, I can't even begin to say how much admiration I've got for how he conducted himself throughout that uh, period. He's been vindicated on so many issues this last 18 months, sadly, since he left uh, office as Deputy Prime Minister. Um, and what seems to ha- be happening to Nick is a kind of rehabilitation, which is absolutely justified as people begin to realise that this is a man who made a massive difference to British politics, uh, brought moderation and decency to a, a government that would otherwise have been really quite right wing and I always said history would be kind to Nick Clegg and I think it's been kinder to him quicker than uh, even we'd hoped. Tim Van, I'll let you get on with your victory lap around uh, Richmond Park uh, <laughs> all right. or with a coffee and a hand. Really good to speak to you. Thanks very much Tim. Cheers Van, all the best. Thanks. Bye-bye. So as the Lib Dems head off to celebrate, there'll be some Conservatives with pause to stop and take stock this morning. I mean, let's remember, at a general election, the Lib Dems will not be able to flood individual seats with over a 1,000 activists as they did in Richmond, but their ability to target, canvas and hammer a constituency into submission is not to be underestimated. It doesn't rival Brexit or Donald Trump on the Richter scale of global political earthquakes, but as this extraordinary year draws to a close, the Lib Dems have proved they can still cause a tremor of their own. As ever, please do subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on your Android device. And why not leave a review while you're there? And you can sign up to my morning email political briefing at thetimes.co.uk forward slash redbox email, where I update you on all the goings on in Westminster and beyond every morning. But for now, for me, Matt Jolly, it's goodbye. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk.